Greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Eric Schwartzman with us today from Los Angeles, California. And Eric is a digital marketing consultant, an entrepreneur, and the author of his recent book, The Digital Pivot. He also has, I believe, another book, Social Marketing to the Business Customer. And we'll talk about that as well. So Eric has spent quite a bit of time over his career where he's worked with PR agencies, different kinds of clients, and then he's gathered his experiences in order to distill them and offer it up to his audience through this book. So having said that, uh, let's welcome Eric and we'll hear his story from himself. Welcome, Eric. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Rajiv. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So in your words, tell us a little bit about yourself. Went into, when I actually went to college to be a, a, a motion picture film director. And I quickly realized after I got out of school that in Hollywood, you know, you can get rich, but it's tough to make a living. So I wound up uh, finding my place in public relations. I worked at the largest public relations firm in the entertainment industry, did really well there, had a nice rise. And this was kind of pre-internet, saw the internet coming and launched the first online newsroom management service called iPressroom. And that was a service for PR people to manage the online newsroom portion of their corporate website. It was a, a content management system for non-technical people to upload press releases and images and video. And we signed some big clients. We signed Target, Toyota, LinkedIn, Xerox, built that up, sold it, um, wrote my first book, Social Marketing to the Business Customer. During the course of the rise of iPressroom, uh, social media was just sort of popping up. And we started to get a lot of questions from customers. Hey, how do we distribute our content on social media? So we started to integrate Facebook, YouTube, Twitter into the platform to make that easy. And, you know, because this really was the beginning of social, we were sort of looked at for how to use, how do we do that? What do we do? And I, so I sort of became one of these uh, sort of evangelists around the area of social media communications that led to, you know, advising the U.S. Department of State, the Pentagon, the Olympics, um, you know, big organization. It was really fun because I would wind up, you know, getting on a plane and going somewhere and they were excited to see me. And I would lead this two or three day workshop about how to use digital media to get your message out there. Um, that led to the invitation uh, to write um, social marketing to the business customer from who was then the editing or editor-in-chief of Computer World, Paul Gillen. And Paul had already written three or four books, and he invited me to write it with him as a co-author. So that was a hell of a safety net for a first-time author, because not only did I have a partner, I had a developmental editor to help me with my writing. Um, so that was hard, but it was a lot easier than the book that I just wrote. Um, after I wrote the book, Social Marketing to the Business Customer, I, I became... I started to realize, hey, this is great getting the word out, getting people to the website. But then clients would say, well, we have all this traffic on the website, but it's not helping our business. We're not selling anymore. We're not getting any more leads. And then I realized, wow, it's not enough to bring the horse to water. You got to make them drink too. And so then I got into the side of sort of conversion optimization. How do you arrange a website so that once people get there, uh, they actually take the action you want them to take? That led to me ultimately getting hired as the chief revenue officer 
at a billion dollar B2B industrial manufacturer where I was responsible mostly for ripping out um, homegrown systems and bringing in Salesforce or Oracle. There were so many different divisions running on different systems. There was also legacy software that was operating the robots in the, in the um, uh, factories. There was a ledger software that predated Microsoft. It all had to come together. Um, so that was really interesting because I got to be sort of the quarterback on these big software implementation projects, which really brought me 360 through the funnel from a top funnel marketing guy to a conversion guy to a delivery guy. Um, since I left uh, uh, that company, I've been working as a consultant, mostly, honestly, with small business. And it's, it's kind of been a way for me, you know, I look at what's happened to small business as a result of big tech. And it's a sad story. You know, so many of them got wiped out first by Amazon, then the pandemic came, they had to figure out how to pivot. You know, it's one thing to be a tech guy who's hired to pivot for companies or a marketing person whose job it is to handle that. It's another thing to be a locksmith who's, you know, fixing locks by day and now has to figure out how to deal with digital or they're going to be paying out 20% to a middleman who's going to be selling them leads. So I sort of thought, you know what, now's the time to really give back. Uh, I'm, I'm later along in my career. I want to focus on small business, some mid-sized business too, and helping these guys pivot and these guys compete. And um, often I'll be at a party or just hanging out with friends and I'll meet someone from outside the tech bubble and they don't even know what search engine optimization is. They've never heard that term. They never heard conversion optimization. They don't even know what a CRM is. And so I thought, well, a lot of times these guys need access to the information. They, they can't afford a consultant. You know what? Let's write the book for these guys. The book that they can pick up one book that's not technical, that's not boring, that has some interesting stories in it about the Pentagon and the Olympics and high-level strategic that will give them enough of a grasp of how this stuff works to not get fleeced by somebody online who's going to tell them, hey, I'll sell you this course and you know, you'll, you'll be making a lot of money on the internet in no time because there's a lot of that out there. You know, it's the early days and there's a lot of these cowboys out there that'll say, hey, y'all change your business with Facebook ads. I'll change your book, your business with YouTube ads. And honestly, it's a lot of bullshit because, you know, there is a logical sequence to implementing a digital pivot. I lay it out in the book and, and that's, that's sort of my arc in a short order. Okay. Now you talk about this four-step framework uh, in, in your book, right? Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. So let's, let's just talk at a high level about digital marketing, right? Mm -hmm. You got to get people to your website and then you either have to get their contact information so you can build a relationship and try to sell them something over time. Or if it's lower price and it's e-commerce, you got to get them to your website and then sell them something. So I think a really good analogy for this, when you think about how this works on a website or on the internet, is to think about, you know, if you have guests over to your house for dinner. You know, really, when you have guests over to your house for dinner, you prepare for their arrival. And you prepare for their arrival by getting some snacks, figuring out what you're going to serve, making sure there's going to be some drinks, napkins. You might want to have some, make sure there's enough soap and toilet paper in the bathroom. You know, you think these things through if you're a good host because you want your guests to have a good time. 
And then, you know, you have your party, people come over and you have your celebration and hopefully it's a nice time. Um, what, what happens, I think the step people miss most frequently, particularly small businesses in digital marketing, is they don't really think about, hey, what's going to happen when people arrive at my website? They just think about, hey, how are we going to get people to the website? And I think it's, it's you know, not a surprise that they think that because there are all these social media influencers out there and everyone's on social media and they see someone who gets a lot of likes or a lot of comments and has a lot of engagement. And so the natural assumption is, wow, if I had a lot of likes and a lot of comments and a lot of engagement, that would be like having a, a lot of foot traffic in my store or a lot of attention from potential buyers. And one of those people would convert. Now, that may be true if your business is you're a keynote speaker or you're selling intellectual property or advisory services of some kind. But if you're a small business selling hats, selling a locksmith service, selling food, selling cleaning service, anything like this, right? You're not out there to make a business for intellectual property. You're out there to sell things. And so I think the idea that you're just going to build an audience on social media and somehow that's going to, you know, help your business misses the critical step of, you know, there's no shopping cart and there's no buy button on social media. The shopping cart and the buy button is on your website. So the other, so the step that people miss is, well, it's great to, you know, have a lot of attention on social media, but ultimately you got to move them from social media to your own web presence where you can convert that awareness into attention. So if you think about the channels, the common channels through which people get to a website, they are social media, right? We talked about that. The other is uh, search optimization. And that basically, you know, people go to Google, they search a keyword, and based on the search results they get, they wind up on a website. For most businesses that are doing well, that's about a third of their traffic. Then there's referral traffic or digital PR. And that's something written about you on someone else's website with a link back to your site. That's another way people can get to you, right? They can get to you through a social media post. They can get to you through a Google search. They can get to you through another website with a link. And then last but not least is advertising, right? You can buy an ad with a link back to your website. So you can sort of put those into three categories. I, I call social media shared media, media you share on someone else's platform. I call digital PR or that story on someone else's website uh, um, earned media because you're going to earn someone else's uh, attention by having them write about you. And then I call uh, advertising paid media, right? So you've got shared, earned, and paid media, and they all lead one place to your website where your funnel is, and that's owned media. So just like you would plan your party for your guests before you have them over. You do that on your own website. That's owned media. I think it is important to take a moment just to distinguish what owned media is. Owned media is not your Facebook page because you can't change the look and feel of that page. Um, and you don't own that page. Um, you are a, a, a stranger in a strange land and you are beholden to the terms of service of Facebook. Uh, the second thing that's important to know with own media is you have to own the top level domain. So your domain.com has to be yours. It can't be facebook.com forward slash 
your company name or yelp.com forward slash your, your company name. That is again, shared media, right? Own media, you own the top level domain, you own the layout because whoever controls the layout controls the payout. And then last but not least, and I think this is an important one because a lot of people think, well, I'll, I'm a reseller on, on Amazon. Isn't that good enough? The other thing about own media is you're not paying out a commission on sales, right? It's you process the transaction on your website. You don't have to pay 15% to Grubhub. You don't have to pay 15% to Amazon Marketplace. You're not paying a fulfillment operator. It's, it's your own presence. So the sequence, the logical sequence for implementing a digital pivot would be first owned media, the funnel. You know, how do you convert awareness into consideration, consideration into an evaluation period, and then evaluation into a purchase? That's your funnel. And then once you've got that funnel in place, then you bring traffic there. And I think step one is social media, because when people get to your website, it's common to have a link to your Facebook page, your YouTube channel, or your Twitter account. And I think more than using those channels to find customers, which is a good thing to do, but first and foremost, I think having enough followers on those channels to demonstrate to someone that you're real, that you're not a ghost, you know, that's like another hurdle you have to clear before they'll consider you. They Google you, they go to your website, look around, oh, this guy's on Facebook. They click your Facebook site. You go to Facebook and you've got two, two members of your page. Eh, they're, maybe they're a startup. Maybe they're not real. I don't trust them. When someone clicks over to your social media presence, you do not need to have tens of thousands of followers, but you got to have enough that I know you're real, that I see you engage with people, people talk back to you. So step one, own media. Step two, shared media. Step three, earned media. I told you I started in PR. Pre-internet, the way we got press is we put together what was called a press kit. This was a two-pocket presentation folder stuffed with press releases and photos that we would put in an envelope and send in the mail to a journalist. Then you know we'd wait for 10 days and then we'd call them. Hey, did you get the press kit? And they would look through it and decide whether or not to write a story. The press kit is dead. Now people use the website. So if I were to go to a reporter, even if I have a great relationship with them and say, hey, I want you to write a story about uh, uh, Rajiv's podcast, it's a killer podcast. The first thing they're going to say is, what's the website? They're going to go to the website and they're going to evaluate you based on the website. Does it look current? Is there an SSL certificate in place so that it looks like it's secure? Is this a real website? Does it look legitimate to me? Then they're going to look for your bugs to your social media accounts. They're going to click a few of those and says, well, does anybody pay attention to this guy's content? Are they talking about it? Is there any discussion? So in the old days, press kit, look at that, get the story. Now you pitch someone, they look at your website first, they look at your social media presence second. So it really doesn't make sense to do digital PR until your website's in order and you've got some social presence. And again, you don't need 10,000 followers. You just need a couple hundred who are talking back to you and some engagement there to show that you're real. Um, so again, own media first, shared media second, earn media third. These three together, 
I call organic media because I don't pay for these impressions. Uh, they're, they're gleaned through other factors, unlike advertising, which is paid. I like getting those three right first, because once you get those three right, you can get some certainty over what percentage actually converts into revenue. And once you have that certainty, then you could say, well, I know 2%, 2.5% converts. I know that on average, I earn X on a customer. So based on the fact that, you know, 2.5% of my traffic converts based on this traffic I have, and this is the amount that I'm going to earn if I buy some media now and do some paid advertising, some, some paid media, I know I have some certainty that I'll realize revenue from it. A, a critical mistake a lot of newbies make is they'll do paid media before their own media is in place. Same is true of traffic from paid media. If I advertise on Facebook and someone clicks the link and goes to my website, they're still going to check out my site. Is it a good site? Do these guys look legit? They're going to check out my social media or, or is anyone talking about them? What do people say? So you still have to clear those two hurdles. So I feel like, you know, paid media is what comes to last once you have certainty over the, over what percentage of your traffic converts. So that's the sequence that I unpack in the book. If you think about that, right, then owned media is foundational. You know, the funnel is foundational. And I cover that first in the book. And then once that's in place, then I talk about social and I talk about um, earned media, digital PR, and I talk about paid media. Um, there are a lot of great books out there on digital marketing and digital media. I, I've read a ton of them. But what I hadn't, what I didn't see, and it was the reason I wrote this book, is if someone's a newcomer and they don't know the basics and they just want to pick up one book and they don't want a software manual, they want something that will be interesting, entertaining, and appealing to a general business reader, I didn't see a book out there. So, you know, that's my book, The Digital Pivot, Secrets of Online Marketing. It is tactical, practical, and up-to-date. Awesome. So, you know, one thing that I've seen in my experience with Facebook, for instance, right? Like you said, right? There's a lot of people out there offering courses and uh, a lot of coaches. There's one group of them that are all about, hey, let's not do paid advertising. Let's bring in the clients organic, yeah. you know, in organic ways. And that's all they focus on. Now, there are others who actually do a mix of probably both or are more interested in, in, in the paid strategy. So there are people that are just focused on sell, 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 right? That, that, that's what they're doing. And then the way they sell is through referrals. Hey, I helped this guy do, do X. I helped this guy do Y. You can do it too. At the same time, there are others, which go, comes back to your point about uh, the content strategy that are, that are actually putting value out there constantly through their social media and all, all of that. So between the two, you know, and, and I think, you know, both, both of them have their own mix of uh, success that they're finding. What, what's your take on it? You know, is there is there a right or a wrong strategy or is there a mixed strategy? I think, I think they're both leaving out the critical component, which is owned media. Nobody really covers that. So, so, so let's talk about that for a minute because I think there's, it's hugely misunderstood. People believe that a website is an owned media presence 
But a website is really just the presentation layer of a digital business, right? It's a way to get contact information into a CRM so that you can prospect, right? So it's a way to capture leads, capture information. It's a way to process transactions. It's a way to live chat with customers. It's a way to search engine optimized content. It's a way to bring information into a back-end enterprise resource planning system that allows you to process orders as easily as people purchase your product on the front end. Um, you know, we are in an environment now where the customer wants what they want as quickly as they can get it. So velocity is really important. You know, how quickly can you deliver, whether you're a B2B or a B2C? Can you get me what I want quickly? And of course, you know, you can't get people things quickly if you don't have a back-end infrastructure that allows you to streamline business processes and communicate cross-functionally on one end-to-end -end solution. And people miss that. Now, for most, for I would say the majority of, you know, the, the digital revolution, you couldn't afford to do that if you were a small business. You couldn't afford Oracle, couldn't afford Siebel. Are you kidding me? NetSuite, it's not going to happen. You don't have the brain trust. You can't set it up. You can't configure it. Well, things have changed. You know, there's actually a company out of India called Zoho with a low-end, low-priced CRM. In terms of the, the, uh, the, the value that, that pro those products provide in terms of functionality, it's off the chart. You have a full stack for $300 a year. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, you have to have the capacity to um, customize it and, and get it operational, but it's not that tough anymore. You can do that now. So, so I think what, what, when you ask your question about, you know, should they do page, should they do organic? Well, I think you shouldn't even really be thinking about that until your own media is in place. And that starts with getting an interoperable stack now, don't let that scare you. All it means is that you've got a website with some forms in it and people can fill out the forms and you can collect the lead data and you can prospect that lead data or you can sell things online. You can have a store. I mean, there's Shopify, I think it's $30 a month. Anybody, you don't have to be a coder. I mean, if you're comfortable dragging and dropping, pointing and clicking, you can set up an e-commerce store now and they're not going to charge you a commission. They're going to charge you a flat fee. They're going to charge you 3% to process credit card trans transactions, but that's it. So you can actually build a customer relationship without someone's hand in your pocket, like you will have on Grubhub, like you will have on YouTube, like you will have on Amazon, where you have a direct relationship with the customer. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be on Yelp or you shouldn't be on Grubhub or you shouldn't be on Amazon. I think those are legitimate customer acquisition channels, but they're not sustainable customer retention channels because you're going to be paying out 15% on every sale. Can you afford that? You might be able to afford it, you know, as a sort of self-liquidating funnel to get customer contact information and then build a direct relationship. But, but if you're not thinking about, hey, how am I going to build my own presence? How am I gonna build a funnel where I can capture information, bring it into the backend, invoice it, collect on the invoice, 
do it via e-commerce, let people pay online. I mean, you've got to be thinking now, not just about the presentation level, but how you're going to have a digital business, a stack of solutions that are interoperable, that let the shipping and receiving person and, and the marketing person collaborate, even if that's just you. Um, in terms of advertising versus organic, it's really about, it's the sequencing question. It's not which one is better. It's, it's when to do each one. So, um, and I think a really good analogy for this, Rajiv, is construction. So you'd be an idiot to build a house without plans. First, you need an architect to give you plans, right? So before you build a funnel, you need a business analyst to give you business process maps of what the thing needs to do. How are people going to use the system? What information goes in? How does it come out? You get your plans. A business analyst prepares that. They're not that expensive. You can hire one on Upwork. You can hire one on Fiverr. And obviously, you know, you can hire from a global marketplace and you can hire worthy and well-qualified people from places in the world where it's much less expensive. So you can do that if you want, right? Once you have your plans, right, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to dig because you have, a pl- have to put your drains in. Then once you put your drains in, you can pour your foundation. Then once you have your foundation, you can bring in the framers, right? Things happen in order. If you bring in the framers before you have a foundation, you wasted your money. It's the same thing with digital, uh, with paid media. If you start advertising before you have a funnel, you have no foundation, right? So I think it's really more about sequencing. And the cool thing is for small businesses, you don't need to be a paid media expert. You don't need to be an earned media expert. You don't need to be a shared media expert. I think you need to know enough about own media to know who to hire in what order so that you can quarterback the process and sequence the vendors. But really, I think if you just have an overarching understanding from a strategic standpoint of what you're trying to do, which is essentially stand up a digital business, not just a website, it'll have a front end, that'll be the presentation layer, but a back end too where you can actually do business with people uh, in a digital environment. That's what has enabled the companies that were able to pivot during the pandemic to do that. You know, everyone can work from home because they all participate in a stack of solutions that are interoperable with each other so they can collaborate with their coworkers without being in the same room, which is fascinating. You know, we used to think, oh, I'm an employer and there's value in my employees sitting under my roof from nine to five. But the truth is there's not a lot of value in that because you get these political people who sort of are really good at hiding in plain sight by talking a good game, but not doing any work. And it's like, once that level's gone and everyone's contributing in this interoperable digital platform, but distributed, it really is the, the, the fruits of your labor that show nothing else. So I think there's almost an advantage to distributed workforce for a lot of companies. Absolutely. So one thing that you talked about is, you know, engagement, right? Uh, Gaining their attention before conversion and all that. So there's a lot of people that put out content out there and some of them do get some level of engagement, whether it's through likes or comments, and then they're constantly replying back to every, every single comment that's out there. Now, there's others who put out content and they're probably getting a few likes here and there, but not a whole lot of uh, interaction or engagement in terms of commenting. Now, what, what's your take on that, you know, in, in terms of uh, what's true engagement when you put content out there? So I, 
The answer, I think, is it depends on what your objective is. Because, I mean, if your objective really is true engagement, then, I mean, what are you, ad-supported? You must be ad-supported in that, in that case. Because, I mean, we saw what we've seen what happens, what's happened with the social networks. They sort of followed this enrage to engage business model where it's like, let's just let people, you know, spew hate and bullshit and, and stir up the pot as a way of extending session time so that we can sell more advertising. Uh, to me, I don't have the stomach for it. It's not what I want to do. I also do see like a lot of online influencers out there that are really just trying to build their following so that they can sell their audience to someone else. And in that type of environment, you see these sort of, I would, I would have to say demagogues, people who really are in there for no other reason than to stir up our emotions. And I see a lot of them who tend to use empathy as a sort of tool, like really with a sophisticated, psychologically manipulative understanding of, hey, here's how I'm going to use empathy to make you feel like you're part of my community so that you pay more attention to me so that I can get more followers. And I don't acknowledge that in my, in my, in my shtick. You know, I say, oh, well, I, this is my community and I don't want to sell you anything. Isn't it great that we're all like-minded? And it sounds to me a lot like the first wave of Facebook. And I'm guilty, you know, Rajiv. I was one of these social media cheerleaders who really believed that social media was going to democratize the world. I really believe that. And I remember towards the end when I was um, consulting for the Pentagon, I heard these guys from the Pentagon who would say to me, you know what, this really isn't what you think it is. It's just really the greatest way of spying there ever was. And I dismissed them. But you know what? They were right. You know, there's this sort of complicit deal between the social networks, the intelligence community, and elected officials. And it works like this. The social networks get to do whatever they want. They can spread hate. They can spread lies. They can do whatever they want as long as the intelligence community has unfettered access to all that information. And then, of course, there's sort of a wink-nod deal with elected officials, which as we won't uh, uh, fact-check you, we'll let you use our, our channel however you want uh, to try to get people to support you, as long as you don't regulate us. So think back to January uh, 6th, when, when we had this insurrection, you know, there was something else that happened on that day. On that day, the Senate majority shifted from the Republicans to the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Now, pre, when, when it was a Republican Senate, um, Facebook wasn't scared about regulation as long as they let, you know, Trump do whatever he wanted on Facebook. And Twitter wasn't scared about regulation as long as they let Trump do whatever he wanted on Twitter. But the minute, the day that the balance of power in the Senate shifted from the Republicans to the Democrats, they deplatformed Trump on that same day. He was kicked off on that same day. Now you could say, well, it was the insurrection. I don't think it was the insurrection. I think it was the fact that they don't want to get, the, the social networks don't want to get regulated. And once the power, 
the winds of, of, of power had shifted in the hallways of the Congress from the Republicans to the Democrats. They were like, oh, well, all we have to do is deplatform him and they won't regulate us. And you know what? They were right. <laughs> so in terms of your books, where can people find them? Um, well, you can get the digital pivot secrets of online marketing at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. It's also, you know, uh, I did an audio book as well. I read it myself. That was a lot of fun, fun experience. So if you prefer to listen, it's also available on audible and then it's available, um, as uh, a Kindle book as well, or, uh, dot Moby, um, if you want a free copy of the book, I will share with your listeners a URL where you can download it as a PDF as well. Because really my objective with this book, Rajiv, is not to sell books. My objective with this book is to get my thinking out there, to get as many people this information as possible. Um, and I kind of think if you download the book for free and you like it, you're probably going to buy a copy anyways. Because this really is a reference. You're going to want this thing on your desk. So if you want a free PDF of the book, you can download one at freepivotbook.com. If you go to freepivotbook.com, it'll take you to a page. You fill out a form. You get a free copy of the book. That simple. Awesome. And then in terms of uh, the services that you provide, what are the services that you're engaged in right now? So I do. I, I, I don't provide agency services. I work as a, um, as a sort of facilitator and mentor and an advisor. And uh, I, I have a program called the Digital Pivot Program. And as you would imagine, you know, there's four of them. There's an owned media program where I help people set up a funnel, set up a website. Um, I don't do the work. I'll help them hire people. I'll help them get the work done or do it themselves and accelerate the process. You could do it on your own, but it'll be a lot faster with someone like me. And so I do that. I also have a shared media advisory program, owned media advisory program, and paid media advisory program. And those are on my site at ericschwartzman.com forward slash programs. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Eric, this has been very helpful. Uh, thank you for joining us today and sharing your story as well as uh, so much of uh, stuff that we discussed, uh, so much of interesting stuff, beneficial stuff for a lot of uh, solopreneurs as well as uh, wannabe influencers out there. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, I'm sure people will check out the book and we wish you the very best. Thanks for joining